0: Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is episode number 190. I have a, an amazing returning guest, veteran seller or veteran ex-seller, but we'll get into that. Co-founder of Ben Drive and host of the now dormant wholesale made easy podcast, Dylan Carter. Dylan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Carlos. It's, uh, it's good to jump back on. We get to geek out a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. We, uh, we were just catching up what, a few weeks ago. And we we're like, all right, we got to talk about something here. <laughs> so so th- this episode's going to be a little bit different than what I typically riff on, <laughs> which is like wholesale and repricing. Um, but there's a lot of fun stuff that I've personally been learning that I think the, the Amazon world needs to, needs to hear.
0: For sure. And, and I'll put out there right now that in case anybody hears me do an uncharacteristic giggle through this, it's because it's the first time I've recorded an episode with my wife sitting beside me who is staring at me <laughs> and i think taking selfies but i'm not going to look right <laughs> um uh, normally i like my first 50 episodes on the show i spent i notice i spent a great deal of time on each episode going into like the origin story of the person like that stuff really fascinates yeah. me um and, and and your origin story is super amazing we've had you've been on the show before though um although it's been a yeah. while and i think when you last came that was still like a big priority um Yeah, I want to sort of redo that though because a lot sure. has changed. Um, You're living in different places. Your uh, your your Tinder profile is no longer active, right? Like your <laughs> intercommitted relationship, <laughs> like. So so I want to I want to get into all this. Like okay, let's let's talk about quick, just so people can. Yeah can get your creds real quick on what's going on and why you're on the show and, and why you're the person to be talking about this topic. So talk to me, how, how do you get introduced (laughs) to e-commerce? Walk me through the podcast, the life of the podcast, the software, uh, walk me through the whole journey real quick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, at the time I was a personal trainer, um, Didn't go to college or wasn't going to college at this time. So I was a personal trainer, full-time was figuring that out and decided I wanted to kind of run my own thing. You know, I was like an independent contractor, but I didn't really have a whole lot of control over like setting my prices or anything like that. And I realized very quickly, I couldn't grow my revenue, so to speak outside of my time, right? Like my time was the limiting factor or charging more per hour, which I didn't really like because I had relationships with the people that I trained and helped. So I started looking for more scalable things and I kind of landed on physical products, right? So like most people heard about FBA on a podcast, started testing RA at, you know, targets and Walmarts, you know, just on the weekends, just kind of proving the model to myself. And then eventually, um, Got to a point where I did not see eye to eye with the gym at the gym that I was a trainer at and decided to part ways. And I had my first real big fork in the road, which was you know, my clients will follow me. They all told me wherever you go, we'll follow you. So I could have opened my own gym, could have done at-home training, like had tons of opportunities here, and decided it's not really for me anymore. I want something more scalable. So I spent 10-12 hours a day um doing RA and then realized. Again, not as scalable for time. Um, at this point, I decided I wanted to go back to college uh, full-time. So time became a limiting factor for me. So sort of testing out OA wasn't really good at it, if I'm being frank, <laughs> was not good at all. And my next you know, fork in the road was what business model really makes sense for me. You know, So I'm looking at private label. I'm looking at wholesale. Private label seemed very you know, nice on the exit front. And kind of 12 to 18 months down the road. But for me, I needed cash flow. I needed to pay the bills, right? So wholesale made a lot more sense for me. Cash flow, I can do that relatively quick. It's reoccurring for the most part. Um, you know, we got replenishables, all these things. Um, and that's what I did. And so I struggled heavily trying to figure out what the heck worked because it's such a shift going from a transactional business model, like you're just buying and selling, to a relationship-based model, which is like I need to build a relationship with the brand to work with them. And Eventually figured it out a bit, and I kind of made a, a hard, fast rule where r a was paying the bills, and I told myself, I'm not allowed to purchase inventory unless it's wholesale. So I made it painful, <laughs> which is like it works for me. I'm just like, if you know the easy route is just always going to be there, so we need to eliminate it and create friction in, in the positive. and so that's what I did. And so at this time, I'm, I'm in you know a re- relatively toxic relationship, trying to build a business, trying to go to school full time, eventually exit that relationship. Um, business starts to flourish. Um, I'm in school full-time doing well as a finance major. And then I happened to meet my now co-founder James. So I was DMing everybody on Instagram saying like, Hey, I'm at six figures. How do I get to seven? You're, I see you're at seven. What's the difference here? And he was the first one to respond and be like, Hey, don't worry about paying me. Cause I was offering to pay them for, for their time. Of course. Like he's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Let's just geek out. Right. (laughs) And so we started meeting once a week and eventually found out he's a computer science major. He was in college at the same time I was. And, you know, we started kind of ideating on stuff. He had built Vindrive CRM that still exists today. You know, we realized we had a lot of similarities in our process. So, you know, I came on board and started running growth and operations there. And, you know, we learned a lot, failed a ton with that first software still exists, but, you know, it didn't get very big. It wasn't going to pay the bills still won't. But then we pivoted and took all of the learnings from that first experience into what now is Aura, and that took off very quickly. So I then had another massive fork in the road, which was I'm in, school full, I'm in school full-time in like my senior year as like a pretty competitive finance major. I have a software company that's growing quicker than we can keep up with, and I have my Amazon business, and at this point, I had met my now wife. <laughs> so... I'm like, something's got to go. And I decided I was going to stop being a seller, which was like super hard to to decide on, but went that route because I knew that I was going to make a bet on the software side. Right. It's more scalable. I knew that I could eclipse my revenue in like three months with the software. And so I did that. I shut it down. Profitable business shut it down. Um, it really, for me was not at a point where I could just go hire somebody and like, take it on. Like he was paying my bills and like, that was awesome. Like, you know, I was really starting to grow, which was fantastic. But, you know, for me, focus is paramount. It is absolutely critical. And I know just for my personality type, I need to be hyper-focused on one thing. I can't go super distributed all over the place. So I made that decision and it was really one of the best decisions I've ever made. And now it's like four years later, or is <laughs> still growing. You know, we are yeah, now I'm in downtown Boston. You know, we we have a small team of six. So it's uh it's been a roller coaster, man. And I feel like we're just getting started, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, but yeah, so we're 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 kind of transitioning ourselves more so into the startup tech space now because we're we want to operate at a much higher level. And so there's a lot to come, but just been learning a ton, absolutely a ton, which is kind of why I kind of, you know, went recluse for the last year and a half. It's like, we're just in the trenches, man. It's been awesome, but it's been a huge learning curve. I mean, everything I've done in the past year has been completely new, at least to me.
0: 100%. I got got a few things I want to unpack with there, but one is, um, Really quick. You, you didn't, I don't think you. you know, I didn't catch it or you didn't reference the wholesale made easy podcast. Like, can you talk about
1: uh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> at, at what yeah. stage
0: of your journey do you decide, well, you know what, I'm going to mm-hmm. start a podcast and what was your goals going in? And then sure. I think some, one of the hardest things for a lot of people is stopping something almost yeah. like wrapping up a season. Like my yeah. wife and I are still <laughs> pissed about how Dexter wrapped up and a few others, but like, wrapping it up on a high note.
1: Like you seem to have pulled both of those off really well. What about that? Sure. Yeah. So I'm skipping a lot for brevity, but when we launched Vindrive CRM, I knew nothing about marketing growth. Like I've never done any of those things. So had to figure it out and we realized, you know, we could build a community. And so what we, what we decided on instead of selling courses, because we knew wholesale, we're like, let's just teach for free build up an amazing community and say, Hey, we have a software that can help you now that you know what you're doing. And so for two, two and a half years, every Tuesday evening, I'd get off, you know, I get out of class, go home. And then I would teach people how to source brands for wholesale live for an hour, every single Tuesday. Um, so did that. And then eventually realized, you know, a podcast would be really cool. I'd always wanted to start one and I was like, great, we have an opportunity here. And so from the outset, I wanted it to be a evergreen podcast, meaning, I don't care about trends. I want to focus on the foundational business aspects, the the things that people are not talking about here, right? The things that we take for granted, because here's the thing I've been a seller. So I know what it's like to hear all these tactics, but not realize there's this foundational level that you're missing. A tactic doesn't work when you're missing the foundations. So for me, I was like, let's lay those. And I'm kind of getting sick of foundational pieces being you know, hidden behind these very expensive courses. And there's nothing wrong with those, right? Like I have no problem with it, but it's like, there's so many people that could have succeeded, but did it because they just were missing that last piece. So, you know, and uh, really it's it's like the Feynman technique, right? Like go teach what you're learning and you'll know it better. So yeah, set out, did that, did about 50, I think like 54 episodes. And I got to a point where I was like, you know, I think I've covered every foundational thing plus a little bit of things that are shifting that I'm noticing, I, I don't want to riff anymore. I don't want to just do the same old things. And I personally, I didn't really care to go the route of let me just interview a bunch of people. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But just for me, I wanted it to be this catalog that two years later, I could point and say, hey, just go listen to this episode. It's still accurate. And that is still the case. You know, I was, I was in a, a private group the other day um, doing like an interview or whatever. And they're like, yeah, no, we recommend all of our students listen to the podcast. I'm like, that's what I wanted, <laughs> that was it. And so I pulled back. But again, it came down to, it came down to focus. Did
0: did it, you fold the Facebook group that has those nope, every Tuesday live trainings, like that are evergreen on how to source products? So that's super. I didn't even think about yeah. that one. I, I remember I, I remember getting the alerts yeah. like Clockwork. You know, um,
1: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so- I'm gonna start
0: referring some people
1: that way on that. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So the Facebook group still exists. There's still like 13,000 people in there. Um, I made sure to do it live in Facebook so that every video was recorded. You know, So what we try to do fundamentally from the outset was how do we provide so much value for free in terms of education that nobody else was doing and then set a business on top of that, right? So that became like our user acquisition strategy. It's like provide a ton of value. And then people are like, I like you guys. Why wouldn't I try what you built? Right. It just made made sense. And I knew with launching a brand new repricing tool, because there's a lot of perceived risk because we're changing your pricing that I needed people to trust James and I, not the product. Right. So I wanted to build that. Like it's, it's Dylan and James behind it. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to test this out. We're going to be good here. And so that's what we did. Um, yeah. So (laughs) I I forget just how much we did, if I'm being honest,
0: yeah, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. You you know the beginning of your of your story, which I didn't I don't know why I didn't remember. Maybe like COVID wiped it out of my mind, but like the part about the gym and being a trainer. Have you ever yeah. read the Hundred Million Dollar Offer by Alex Hormozzi?
1: No, I have heard of it, but I haven't read it.
0: I'm listening to it recently. I listened to it on a, okay. on a trip from Tampa. But it, guy starts off with like a gym, like gym and training okay, yeah. and stuff like that. I, I think you it just reminded me like what you were saying and 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 how you ran into issues of scaling as, as a yep. trainer. So worth checking out though, as a business too, and just creating offers. Sure. Uh, what, what about RA? You touched on RA. So retail arbitrage mm-hmm. for anybody that doesn't know it. Um, do you still think it's a good starting spot for somebody wanting to begin selling on Amazon?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't personally believe it's something you can scale effectively because it requires a huge labor force, which just becomes a problem these days. Um, people just don't want to do the, do those jobs these days, at least from what I'm seeing. But yeah, I think here, here's the path, right? You find out it's a Thing you go test it to see if it's real, you prove to yourself that it is, and then you make the hard decision of what route do I really take to build a business here, right? So it goes from awareness to proved I made a little bit of money, and by doing that, you're going to go the RA route because you just drive to Target and scan a bunch of stuff, find something that's profitable, send it in, sell it, you made some money, cool, and then you go, Okay, I could make this a side hustle or a business, and then eventually. And this is where a lot of people get stuck. They don't transition from business to company. It's a big, big deal. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good place to start.
0: Yeah. And, and, and transitioning from business to company, that's definitely something um, I'm catching up here personally with like what's going on since <laughs> then before we dive into the, in the meat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Two other things. Like I just jot down quick notes while we're talking, cause I, I didn't want to interrupt, but you, you ever see the people listening this is going to think all I do is watch Netflix and read books, right? But <laughs> what did, did you watch the, I'm not a fan of his, but like the the Kanye West uh, documentary on Netflix. No, I haven't seen it as a business person, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a brand, it is worth watching. Um, okay. he, he, he goes to this. I'll sum up like the part that I think is the most important here. And it just, what you said reminded me, like you, you have a successful business going on. There's college and all this. You decide to go all mm-hmm. in on this, on this software. And, and it was this, that's gotta be a battle. Like who walks away from sure. something that pays the bills, something that you, mm-hmm. you get those golden shackles, if you will, um, yeah. who walks away from that. So like you have this battle going on there. And for him, it was everyone saw him as someone that makes beats and no one really wanted to consider him as the rapper, like the granddaughter. The yep. And he had to say, you know what, you won't consider me this way. I just ain't going to do that anymore. And when you said, yep. I'm not going to spend another dollar unless it's on a wholesale product. Um, yep. that, that reminded me a lot of that. Worth watching, even if you're not a Kanye fan. Again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a fan of the music. So, uh, But <laughs> really good, the business side of that documentary yep. is pretty powerful. Yep.
1: Um, I think ultimately, you, you just need to realize what you want, right? So a lot of people, when I started becoming more public about not being a seller, they're like, what does this mean for me? I was like, nothing. It has nothing to do with you. It's a personal decision. You know, but a lot of people, because they're working towards, you know, building what I had and then I got rid of it, were like earth shattering to them. But I'm like, no, 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 you got to understand, I'm playing a different game. I'm playing my game. My game is scale. I don't want a business. I want a company. I want a company that can exist outside of me. Right. And so for me, I knew I had to operate differently. And yeah, it was a tough decision. But ultimately, like, if you just think rationally, it's like you're making bets all day long, no matter what. But when something, when an opportunity comes along, that fits what you ultimately want. Why wouldn't you take that? Right. Like you have to be willing to see, to see a little creak in the doorway, and be like, yeah, I'm going through that door now because I've been waiting for that. And it finally occurred. I'm not missing this opportunity.
0: Sure. You, you use the C word also in your, in your intro here, college. So yeah. the finance major, uh, and, and anytime yep. somebody brings up college, uh, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I didn't do the college sure. experience. Um, I could see where it could be helpful. And I've heard from a lot Mm -hmm. of people that have graduated are just like, it's like toilet paper. I'm curious what (laughs) you think finance major. I could see how that could be applicable to, to business. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like having by majoring in finance that you have been able to use what you learned in college in your current business?
1: Some of it. Yes. Like managerial accounting. So my, my focus was on investment banking. So slightly different. So at some point in my life, I would like to build a small private equity fund of, of small companies and, and do a hold, right? So I wanted to understand that world. But also I wanted options, right? It's like, listen, at the end of the day, what we do is risky. And you know, here's the thing, right? It's like when I was young, I was considered learning disabled. And there's a one moment that has completely shifted the trajectory of my life, which is a teacher in high school, saying, because of that, you're not going to go to college. You're not going to do X, Y, and Z. So for a while, I believed I was like not valuable as a human. Eventually I found reading, got super into that, realized I wasn't stupid. I actually had intelligence and I've been on a path because I believed that my ceiling was so low as a human. And I started to push up against it because I got pissed off. To be frank, I got really pissed off because my life was not good. And I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to figure a different path. Right. And so every time I push that ceiling up, it keeps moving. So for me, I'm like, you know, I have the saying now it's like, what's the third door? You know, I like when people are like, okay, you can either do a or B. I'm like, "C. why why do you, why do you assume it's one or the other? Why can't it be both? You know? So people like, oh, well, you know, it's either college or entrepreneurship. It's like, why not both? I mean, it's going to make sense, obviously, you know, but for me, and it, it did, and it proved to myself what I was capable of and nobody could ever for the rest of my life be like, you're not smart enough based on what Yeah,
0: I, I love that, that, that really speaks to who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're very alike in that. Somebody says you could choose a, or you could choose B immediately says, I choose C. And yep. when they say, <laughs> well, you can't do that. I'm, I hear, uh, and I'm going to reference like an a popular Instagram quote. And it's like when somebody says you can't do that, I'm, i hear that means I can't do it with you. And yeah, right. we move on. Right. So exactly. yeah, we're, we're very alike there. That that's powerful. That really speaks to who I am yeah. too. I, I think that's some, I think we have a lot of stuff in common when it when it comes we do. to that. <laughs> I also had like the LD label, the the, the EH yep. label, like I had all that. Um so yeah, cool stuff. Okay. I, I want to get into now like we, we we flirted with it a little bit. So um, the difference between building a, a, a business and building a company. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to put put a put a like put you in a corral on this. I want you to just like Seriously. free flow. But do you think sure. it would help first for you to define? Because I think a lot of people don't know the difference. They just think oh they're synonymous. Some people prefer potato, potato. Correct. You know what I mean? So can you yep. really
1: define what the difference is and then and then like drop some yeah. knowledge? Riff, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so. The big difference to me, and this is just my opinion, of course, business, if, here's the thing. if you cannot leave for a month and continue to grow, you don't have a company. have a business. right? Here, here's the thing. a lot of A lot of Amazon sellers will leave a eighty thousand dollars a year business working forty or uh, sorry, work, an eighty thousand dollars a year job, working forty hours a week to go make forty grand a year, working eighty hours a week, which is fine because there's a stage you need to go through first it's, yeah, you're building a job for yourself, but it's the perspective that ultimately comes to mind. A lot of people hit their little income target. You know, they hit six or seven figures and then they're like, I'm, I'm happy here, but what comes next? Right. Here's the thing. A lot of people, and I did this too, seven figures. Once the company does seven figures, then it's like, awesome. Nothing changes guys. Nothing changes. There is no end goal that, you're like, made it, I'm done. It doesn't happen. <laughs> so you have to be thinking what comes next. And here's the big difference that I've learned over the past two-ish years. Building a team. And I'm, I'm going to annoy a lot of people, and I, I apologize ahead of time. Virtual assistants are great, and they have their use cases. There's a difference between having somebody own a task and owning a role and responsibility. Here's the thing. A lot of sellers get stuck on building the team getting outside of themselves. I wish I get it, right? It's a skill set. It's uncomfortable. Totally went through it myself, right? But here's the thing. When you build an effective, amazing team where they truly own what they do and they're the best at it, you unlock so much growth. Everybody in the company here is better than me at something, right? And so like, you know, everybody talks about this whole like, you know, be the dumbest person in the room but go do it. <laughs> like it's uncomfortable, but guess what? It is the most amazing thing because here's the thing. When you, when people are really bought into what you're building, what you're doing, they think differently. A VA is going to show up and just do the task and go home. They're not going to be thinking about like, Hey, like we could be doing it this way. Have we thought about this? Like ultimately you need to shift from, I'm going to pay somebody to do a task to I'm going to pay for that person's brain. Right. How do right? Cause if it's just your brain, it's only your ideas, but here's the thing. If you have three people in a company, you have three different unique perspectives that could completely change the thing. I came in this morning. um, I I flew in like 2 p or 2 a.m. last night, you know, so I missed a little bit on yesterday come in and the guys are talking about some incredible features that I've never thought about. I'm like, dude, this is the point. I could not have done that myself, right? It's like, yeah, I have cool ideas, but man, get the right people in here. And it changes the game. And what's nice is you start to build out these little areas and departments that you get to pull back on right? So that first hire, hiring Finn to take on customer support, because I did that full-time as as a founder for the first two years, freed me up to go do more things. And not just like, I have more time, I have more focused time, right? I get to say, cool, you own that. We're going to set some KPIs here to make sure it's successful. I now freed up a great deal of my time to go say, let's go solve growth, right? So I'm a huge fan of saying there's growth levers and bottlenecks. At any moment, there's two of those bigger things, right? But if you can't Free yourself from the bottleneck, you can't go to that next growth lever. Right. And so a lot of people are like, oh, it's just task. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't hire a VA just to submit orders. Go, go actually hire a buyer who's gonna own that whole world. Not just, I did a bunch of work here, go, go do like the menial task. It's like, no, dude. And it doesn't have to be in person, right? Listen, tons of people are working remote these days. Go hire somebody for 20, 30 hours a week. And yeah. By the way, you're going to pay them more, but here's the thing, man, people cheap out on labor all the time. And I'm telling you, it's the worst thing you could ever do. Go pay a bit more and get somebody who's really going to own this and stick with you for the next three years. And they're going to be loyal and dedicated. What what would you, I'm
0: agreeing on it. I was, I was, I was waiting to ask you, can they be virtual as well, or do they have to be in the office? you answered that. So yeah, absolutely. But out of curiosity though, did you think
1: that before COVID? Um, Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you okay. know, we were a completely remote company up until peak COVID and we actually moved into an office space when everybody was going out of them. You know, we're in a different position, but yeah, I, I, unless you're taking value away from being in person, I think it's completely fine. Right. But here's the thing. A lot of people go, why would I pay somebody 50 to 60 grand a year to do something I could do? It's because of the opportunity cost of what you could be doing, <laughs> right? Like, Advil only goes so far. That's so <laughs> true, right? And listen, at the end of the day, what are, you, what are your biggest strengths? What are you great at doing, right? What do you suck at doing? By the way, we all have those. So go find somebody who can compliment you and do well. You know, it's, it, it's so interesting. Here, here's my grand theory of the Amazon world. We're really good at, at being learners, But we never step outside of the amazon ecosystem in terms of knowledge when we when we take a step back and we just look at like business fundamentals how how does tech approach these things how does you know manufacturing approach these things you pull out and extract interesting tidbits that are hugely valuable that can set you aside or set you apart competitively right a lot of amazon sellers like how can i compete i'm like think differently (laughs) right Um, And it doesn't have to be this crazy, like I just had a massive light bulb, go steal ideas from other industries. That's my favorite thing to do. Model, model ideas. Yeah. Model (laughs) ideas. There you go. Exactly. Right. So, but you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people, ultimately it's easy to get to like the six figure mark. Like you can stumble your way to there as an Amazon seller. Like truly, if you give it enough time, right. You can do that. But when I talk to big sellers, I'm talking like 10 mil plus per year sellers. They have companies, they have teams, people who own certain areas versus others. And listen, if you don't want to do that, there's nothing wrong with it, right? There's no right or wrong way to build this here. If you just want a lifestyle business, that's cool too. But I think it, it's a good point to bring up that you should explicitly make that decision. What, what, what are you trying to build here, right? Because a lot of people are like, oh, that person hit seven figures, I'm only at six. Okay, but is that good or bad? Like what, what's your target? What do you want to build here, right? But once you can explicitly dictate what you're building, you can then start to reverse engineer it to suit your needs. I want to build a hundred million dollar a year business. I'm going to have to operate differently <laughs> than, you know, my, my wholesale business. That was, you know, a drop in the bucket in comparison. Right. So it's important because then you can go and look at the people who are doing these things differently. And that right, like, listen, Scott Needham, of buy boxer is approaching wholesale completely different than I did. He has to at his scale, right? Like they have a massive warehouse and they have like 30 plus employees if I, if I remember correctly. But a lot of sellers get, get stuck on that area. And I think the big unlocker for a lot of people is get really good at something. Then hire somebody who can take it over and do it better than you and own it. Then go to the next thing that makes you super uncomfortable. Get really, really good at that. Rinse and repeat, right? So like right now I'm going to hire a bunch of people okay, I got to get really good at that skill set. Eventually though, it becomes such a routine thing that I'm just going to hire a recruiter, right? Somebody who's going to own that in-house, right? That's your role at the end of the day. It's find those biggest bottlenecks, those biggest growth levers, apply leverage to them, and then eventually step out of that role and into the next one. That's your role as a founder, right? It's like too many people get stuck in the day-to-day of just, I just need to do it. You know, a lot of the sellers I talk to, it's like, you don't, biggest issue is time or capital. I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're approaching it wrong. You know, it's, it sounds like it it sounds like one
0: of the, one of the recurring themes here is, is hiring the right people on your team. And I I don't want to put a dollar amount on what that is, but it just so happens to be higher quality people cost more. Right. Yeah. So do you think that ties in with being the smartest person in the room? Like, does that necessarily mean that, you know, you hire people, which are more expensive. They're probably better at you or specialists in a given area, which makes you, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say dumb, but less smart than them in that area. Uh, what, so would you say that that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing holding people back from being, you know, the least smart in the room. And, And how would you approach that knowing what you know now, if, you know, yeah. we'll use if somebody gives you ten thousand dollars and sure and drops you on the side of the road type of thing. Like, how would you approach yeah building a team?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's very uncomfortable, and I think a lot of the knowledge related to being a business owner is ego led. You're you're the owner. You do blah blah blah. You should make crazy amounts of money. Sometimes, sure, but guess what? We pay our people more than we pay ourselves. Why we get Better people. (laughs) There's an opportunity cost to everything you do, right? So you have so many Amazon sellers that want to grow, but they're they're taking six figures out of their business. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Pay yourself like forty grand, (laughs) live comfortably, obviously, but go use that that sixty to go hire somebody full time to take over a role. Because now, here's the thing, right? It's like there are people, and this is a crazy thing. There are people who have already done multiple times what you are attempting to do now for the first. I recreate the wheel. It's pay to play. Business is pay to play. I don't care what people say. It is it's knowledge based absolutely but it's pay to play. So, you know, if if it's the whole like, you know, 10 grand on the side of the road, yeah, I'm going to figure out what the value add is first. I'm going to get it to a point where I can afford to hire somebody good to take over a major thing and I'm not going to pay myself anything. Right? Because I know that the ROI on that person is much higher than if I just kept trying to do it myself. There's this uncomfortability aspect where, yes, people are like, well, I'm spending more money, but not on inventory. Yes. But think about the second order effect of what that person can achieve and what you now can go achieve because you have freed up time and focus. Imagine if you never had to worry about buying ever again. All you had to do is spend your time at what you're good at, which is opening accounts. What does yeah. that mean? You don't have You don't have this problem of like, I can only get so much done. Of course not. And then guess what? people are salespeople. You can go hire somebody to just open accounts for you, right? There's so much here. You you know, I'm
0: constantly
1: impressed
0: whenever we have an opportunity to talk like this uh, of your grasp of of exactly that, of I pride myself on being an amazing team builder, but uh, you know, a lot of it, I I think I'm really good. Um, A lot of it has to do with, I just have this massive team and I've I've learned to do things with a massive team that most people never deal with because they don't have a team that big. But you have a really good grasp on like almost the psychology um, b- behind this. Who, who would you say was your biggest one or two influencers in mm. how you approach this now? It could be an author. I know we didn't prep for this question or anything like that. Yeah, so no, it's a good question though. We, we could circle back like, what was it a coach? Do you have a mentor? Was it college? Mm-hmm. Was it touching the
1: stove so many times and just learning from it? <laughs> um, could you? It was experience. You know, okay. u- ultimately it was an experience because here's the thing. I, there's great books like work the system by Sam Carpenter. I always recommend that talk about systems and like, that's the foundation here, right? Like, like you should be understanding how to do certain things, but, Aura was growing so quickly and we're such a small team that I'm like, I can't do it all. Can't. And I, I just had this fundamental disbelief in hiring a VA for a software company. I just, it made no sense to me, especially on like a customer support role. I'm like, absolutely not. That person needs to be in-house. They need to give a shit. Sorry for cursing, (laughs) but it's important, you know? And so we brought on Finn and I was like, oh, this is awesome. He cares and he's owning it. And within two weeks, I'm like, you got this. Let me go do other things and then go focus on growth. It's like, oh, interesting. Right. So it, it wasn't like one person, but like (laughs) Again, foundationally, when you look at any company who wants to grow, what do they do? They need the right people in the right seats. And ultimately you get to a point where you do need people to own a special area. Right. So, like I, you know, we we picked up on paid acquisition, Google Ads. I spent the first hundred grand of myself learning it. I could do that, but if I want to spend a million on paid acquisition, I need somebody who really has already done that, <laughs> right? That's it. like, listen, I can get us from zero to eighty percent, but going from that eighty to a hundred percent is a completely different specialized skill set. So my theory here is like, as a founder, you go and you prove that something works. You're the tester. You're the beta tester on all things. You want to go do a new channel? You don't hire somebody to own a channel you've never tested. Take ten grand, thousand dollars, hundred bucks, whatever you got. You go test it. If you can prove it. You learn enough to be dangerous with it. So you can actually, you know, have a real discussion with it. And then you go and you replace yourself. Like with us, I replaced myself with an agency, but because I knew enough, I was able to call crap when they were trying to throw me buzzwords because they're used to talking to people who don't know what they're talking about. I do, because I spent the first hundred grand myself and was in the account, right? So now we found a really good agency. We can have like super in-depth conversations once a week. So I went from spending, you know, 10, 20 hours a week proving the model to now I spend one hour a a week on a call and be like, how are we doing? Where are we at? What's the KPIs? Great. Do this change or do that. What do you recommend? We move forward. Right. But what's great is like, I proved, I proved the model. I handed it over to somebody who knows how to do it better than me. And then we just have this nice sync interaction once a week. And then I can, I'm freed up to go do the next thing. Right. You can do that rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So yeah. For me, it's just, you, it's opportunity cost, right? You very quickly realize how slow you're going to move. If you don't make that investment and hiring people is absolutely an investment. Um, and it costs you money, but I'm telling you right now, the ROI, on hiring the right person for the right role. And like the right salary, is completely different than cheaping out and getting somebody for like 12 bucks an hour, completely different. Cause that person is yeah. going to approach it and have ownership. Yeah, I percent
0: agree cheap is very expensive in, mm-hmm. in most situations. Yeah. Um, so so what do, you, what, would, what do you what would you say is somebody listening to this decides they want to build a company and not a business, but it, while there is a lot of intermediate or, or self-identifying intermediate advanced listeners to this, I, yeah. I think those terms are very relative, and <laughs> it's true. Um, people could use a reminder of the basics sometimes so yeah. What would you do here if person, person starting with, I don't know, thirty thousand dollars, they're yeah. they're working a full time job or they're thinking about the transition, and you know thirty thousand dollars doesn't get you, um, probably one specialist in my experience right. in, in a lot of these powerful like it's not going to get sure. you a, a badass salesperson like it's just not going to no, do it. It's not right. So what? How how would you And you're suggesting the
1: person get their hands dirty, learn it, do it. But there's a lot of hats in the beginning. Um, Oh, there's always a lot of hats, right? We're a six-person team and I still wear like 13 hats, right? Because some hats I just haven't fully proven yet. So something tells me that's a real 13 and not a random number. (laughs) No, it's real 13. So it's not even the money aspect. It's the mindset and perspective, okay? So we're going to be way more like meta on the topic now you have to understand truly what your role is. Your role is not to be a business owner, like ego, all that crap. Nobody nobody cares about you. I'm sorry. Listen, a lot of people are like, oh, like, or is that this size? That's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, but do you know how small we are in, in the realm of, of SaaS and tech? <laughs> like we're, we're nobody's. We don't know anything. You know, but here's the thing. Your role is to be a skill acquisition person. You acquire new skills quickly, right? You need to be a quick learner. It's incredibly important. Two, you need to be able to execute right? So you have an idea. I think this might make sense. You go learn enough to execute to prove if it is, or if it's not, if you then prove that it actually adds a ton of value, you scale it as far as you can. And then you say, great, I'm at a point where I really need to bring somebody in. But during that scaling part that you did, you probably unlocked enough revenue to hire somebody to come on board. And it's an investment. Absolutely. Um, but here's the thing. You're not just hiring people to hire people. It's not a cost center. It's an investment. So if you get really, really good at opening accounts and you happen to find somebody who has got experience with sales and like, you can set them down and be like, Hey, this is exactly how I would do it. But if you got a better way, let's, let's test and you can structure a deal, right? You can say, Hey, listen, um, it's early on. I'm willing to give you commission on whatever you bring in profit wise. So it's kind of going to be on you, but I'll, I'll give you like a base salary and then commission on top and we'll renegotiate after three months to see what really makes sense. You have a lot of options here, right? But I think a lot of people are quick to go the administrative route for their first hires. Most of your administrative stuff can just be deleted. It's just, it's moving paper around is all it is. Can you give me some examples? Yeah. So there's a lot of data movement stuff that I notice happens. It's like, okay, I got... Information. I'm raising my hand here. here. Guilty, guilty. (laughs) Right. But here's the thing automation exists, right? Like most of the time you don't need to hire somebody to move paper around. You just don't. You don't need an assistant. I'm sorry. A lot of Amazon sellers are doing like a quarter million in revenue and have an executive assistant. I'm like, dude, we do way more than that and we don't have one of those. Because you have to be very $250,000 a year with a 9% profit margin and executive assistant. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For me, it's like what actually provides value. Okay. What task for a human, not a VA or somebody internal for a human actually provides value. That's where you need to get to. You delete everything that doesn't exist or that doesn't add value. I'm sorry. And then what you're left with is the critical 20%, right? Run an 80, 20 on it. What really adds value? What doesn't, right? Look at your your process, look at your workflows and say what in this workflow actually makes sense. Most of the time, you're probably going to find 20 to 40% of it is actually a complete waste of time. Why would you pay somebody to waste their time if you wouldn't even waste your own? Right. So I think being very critical of that kind of meta framework, right? You need to be really good at acquiring new skills, getting up and running quick, but then you need to let go of your Legos this is hard for me too, right? You own it, it's your baby, I get it. And like, you you think you know better until you hire somebody who's done it three or four times and then they come in and do it completely different. You're like, I missed that completely. You know, you think you're crushing it, but actually somebody comes in and does four times the ROI that you could, right? PPC is like a great example here, right? And listen, it doesn't have to necessarily be an in-house hire, it could be an agency. Sometimes it makes more sense to go agency because there's more variability in the outcome, right? Yeah, Google Ads makes sense for us now, maybe it doesn't in a year. So I'm not gonna hire somebody just to do that, right? So you have options here. Um, you know, there, There's a menu of ways you can, or different paths you can go down. So you need to understand which makes sense of what what situation, but ultimately you need to be comfortable at letting go. A lot of Amazon sellers are tight-fisted when it comes to their businesses, which I get, right? You're like, hey, there's a risk You here. cue in yeah. the
0: frozen Disney music, right?
1: Like, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Literally. And it's uncomfortable. It's absolutely uncomfortable, but it's not overnight. You don't just go, here's everything, Buy, no. You onboard them and you take two weeks to train and feel comfortable. And then you start to kind of step back and you step back and back and back. And eventually like, cool, I trust you. You're good here. I'm going to go focus on another area. You rinse and repeat, you know? So I, I think I've riffed on so many years about like the systems and processes stuff, but I think there's a, there's a greater framework that sits on top of that. Once you understand how to approach your workflows with like, okay, What's the protocol? What's the checklist? How do I ensure I don't make mistakes? Great. Now go, you know, if it provides enough value, you go hire somebody to own that you go do the next role, right? You have to understand you have roles. You're not just a business owner, right? When people say you wear multiple hats, what they mean is you own growth, you own uh, hiring, you own, uh, you know, uh, buying, you know, sourcing, all these things. These are all things that could be their own role but you got to get it. You have to get each one to a position where it makes sense to hand that over to somebody. You've proven the value. If you can't prove the value, you're not going to hire somebody. Right. And in that
0: initial transition, you're going from, I was doing it myself. So you're, you're looking Mm -hmm. at all these profits that are there because you're really not paying yourself those profits. You're just seeing them. And at some point you got to almost give those profits and invest them into somebody else. I think it's really hard for people to go from, Oh, I was making $90,000 a year. And now I've decided I'm going to stop not stop, but I'm going to pass on the majority of the sales work and see if I can bring yeah. on like a, an entry-level salesperson and they're dropping mm-hmm. 90K. Um, you know what? It's no longer there. So it's like,
1: yeah. It, here, it, here's it, the thing though, right? You get it to a position where you can pay yourself a comfortable salary. If you're really trying to build a company here, you don't care about your salary. You want to be comfortable, but you care more about the value of your equity. Okay. I don't care about how much I could pull right now. I care about how much it's going to be worth in two to three years. Why? For me, I'm not trying to build a business that I can't sell. Not that I want to, right? But my my point in my perspective on it is if other people think it's valuable because of it, not because of me, that's a good thing, right? That means I could, if I ever needed to, a lot of people go, Oh yeah, I built my Amazon business. I'm probably going to sell it. I'm like. But you're the linchpin in everything. So you're going to sell it. You're going to leave. And then the new owners are going to what? Take over your business. And they're going to pay you like two mil to buy a job for themselves? I don't think so. It's not how this works, man. <laughs> like, and you want to free up yourself to be more focused on like strategic level thinking, not just day-to-day stuff, right? You got to be strategic and see where, where the future could go and make some, some big bets. Um, yeah, so for me, it's like, if I want to build a business that does 100 million a year, I need to be able to measure that. I'm not trying to build a business that, it, and here's the thing, right? Like ultimately as an entrepreneur, you get, you get value because you gave more value. That's what we do. Okay, we're, I'm really over the whole like, I'm a business owner ego and I make X. I'm like, I don't care what you get, what you pay yourself. How much value do, do you actually provide to other people? That's why we exist. <laughs> like That's fundamentally it, man. It's not like this merchant stuff, right? This is 2022, provide value. When you can do that consistently, you won't have a problem making money because do you feel that also you. do you feel like
0: it even took me a second and then i'm like mm-hmm. don't be an idiot like i'm just like <laughs> sm- mentally smacking myself like of course it is like but i'm curious in your opinion yeah. it was very it's very easy to connect the dots on what you just said for a service it's very easy you know for a software do you think people that are selling physical products should also take that same yes. approach in their company on the impact that they're having yes. you know
1: to the world Absolutely. Listen, if, if you, if you, uh, have your own PL brand, don't just white label, build an actual product that adds value to your customers' lives. Then they will, you will have word of mouth. You won't have to worry about marketing and advertising. If you are a wholesale seller, you're not providing value necessarily to the end consumer, but you're providing value to the brands themselves, right? Brands hate working with Amazon sellers. I talk to them still to this day. They are actively thinning out the herd, so to speak but guess what? The ones that get you know, left to stay with that relationship actually provide value to the brand. They're not just saying, I buy and I give you money. They're saying, How, Like, what can I do to work better with you? What, what do you need? What are the actual problems you have? And then you get creative. Being an Amazon seller is great, but it also allows you to have this jumping off point to other avenues, right? When you start to really have conversations with brands, you start to realize where do they actually struggle? Like, what what do they really need? And actually ask them, they will tell you, you notice the pattern and then you go and solve that. So you might end up pivoting from being an Amazon seller to starting your own software or, or creating a unique service that nobody else offers. or at least just approaching it differently. And now that helps you stand out, right? Value. Like if you want to stand out and be competitive, it becomes clear that like to do that, you need to provide a unique level of value. Ultimately that's, that's all it is.
0: I had muted myself. For, for <laughs> I, let me ask you something. And then I want to start bringing this to a close. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a process that you have for, I know the answer. Yes. Yes. Right. But do you have a process <laughs> that you use for sort of auditing yourself as you start picking up more and more tasks as time goes on and things slip mm-hmm. through the cracks? Like how do you audit yourself to say, this should go to this amazing person that I hired, but my knee jerk
1: reaction is to just absorb this and do it, do do, do. Like do you have a uh, yeah. process you could share? I mean, there's nothing like concrete, but ultimately if you if it's taken up a large portion of your time and it makes you uncomfortable to hand it over, but it's actually providing value, um, you should probably start having that discussion.
0: I love it. Um, I want to recap a few things. So yeah, the sure. uh, d- difference between building a business and building a company, I have three, ma- we covered a lot, but three major ones here is um, mm-hmm. you know, w- one is be comfortable. A good indicator is be comfortable taking a month off. If, if you could just take a month off and your business is running yeah. the same or better without you there, that's, that's a good indicator that you know, you, you've, you, you've built a company. Um, yeah. O- over a business. Another one is uh, your impact to society and helping others. And finally, um, you're comfortable. Pay- you're you're paying yourself a comfortable salary, but you're more focused on your equity. Is that a good? Is that a good recap? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I, I want to be super respectful of your time. If you can share best way for somebody else to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening to this to get a hold of you, rather. And if you can, what is your favorite book and why?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. anybody can email me, Dylan at com. I have no problem with that. Um, some time to respond, of course, but <laughs> no, no problem there. You know, listen to do the whole Soul Made Easy podcast. It's still up there. It's still evergreen content. Um, I would say those are the best ways. I'm not super social. I'm getting kind of more social on LinkedIn these days, but that's different. Um, yeah. And then, you know, most impactful book for me has been Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, it's a very applicable book. It's very like process oriented, but it's also focused more so on like life and not just the business. Like it helps, it gives you... A perspective shift, right? Like one of those, one of the principles or the rules is, you know, one define what, what you want to get to reality, understand what really is happening here and then decide and determine how do you achieve one and, you know, in light of two, right? It's just stuff like that. It helps you think more clearly. Um, and again, you're stepping out of the Amazon world, which I think is always a good thing to do. <laughs> and it's just giving you a nice framework and a bunch of, I mean, this book is thick, you know, tons of examples. Of how to think about things differently,
0: Dylan, always over and over delivering. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I look forward to having you again as a guest on the podcast soon. I know you got some really amazing things cooking on, yeah, on oh, the yeah. back end. So thank you so much for your time, and I will talk to everybody next week. Awesome, thanks, Charlie.